The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 1015, it is our kink panel. We're going to discuss where you can go in the city and how you can socialize with like-minded people if you uh, have some kind of kink. Uh, And we uh, will have as our guest uh, a former Mr. Leather as well. So looking forward to that. But first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800- you can also email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com. Uh, this text from uh, late last night, so I didn't get to it, so I'm going to get to it now. I have a question. I remember as a young teenage boy, I saw a girl, knew nothing about her, never saw her before, but fell in love on the spot. Can that happen as an adult? So I'm going to throw that out to, to people. Do you think, do you believe in love at first sight, like just falling in love with someone you simply just saw. So I think personally, it's not, I don't think it's love at first sight. It's certainly lust at first sight. So you see what you like, you connect with a person, but you don't actually begin to love until you get to know the person a little bit, uh, a little bit more. And I think that can happen at any age. The, the lust at first sight, I think is, you know, pretty, pretty normal kind of thing. I think it happens to a lot of people, but, um, and, and it, it can certainly turn into the love of your, uh, life. You know, a lot, a lot of people have stories of, uh, meeting somebody and knowing right away that this is the person they wanted to spend their life with. I, I always remember, um, my parents' story, you know, my, my dad saw my mother at a party and, uh, saw her across the room, asked her to dance and told her on the dance floor, I'm going to marry you. She looked at him like, are you some crazy guy or what? Like, no, she was just laughing at him thinking he was nuts. Well, guess what? Uh, he then pursued her and uh, yes, got the girl. So he, he knew, uh, but you know, it, it was lust at first sight. It wasn't love. Love came after. Uh, so I know that can happen, but, um, certainly that attraction can be there and can be very strong right off the top, right? Right at the beginning. I'm 23, in love with my girlfriend for over four years. We have a very good relationship and sex is great, but I still like to see porn. Is it normal? What can I do to stop it? So I'm just wondering, why is this a cause for uh, concern? A lot, a lot, a lot of people watch porn uh, just you know, to, to masturbate or just to get aroused or what have you. And it's not, it's not problematic for a small portion of the population. It can be problematic. And I'm just wondering, do you think it is a problem? Do you feel that it's something you cannot, uh, control and is it impacting your life in a negative way? So all of that, uh, are questions you need to ask yourself, but if you're worried that simply watching is not normal, then I would tell you you're perfectly normal considering the majority of the adult population, at least men, uh, certainly watch porn to some 
degree, uh, even even though they're in relationships. Just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you stop self-pleasuring. And oftentimes, uh, people want visual stimulation in order to to get aroused. So if, if you think it's a problem and you really want to stop it and you think that you, for some reason, can't stop it, you have to look at what is it that leads you to the porn? Is it boredom? Um, is it anxiety? Is it something that you're going towards that to relieve something, either to escape something, to relieve something, whether it's relieving boredom or relieving anxiety? And if that's the case, then you uh, have to find other distractions. You have to deal with the source of the anxiety as well, or the anxiety itself. So it would you'd need to know like what what is at the root of uh, of this issue, if it is in fact an issue right now, just the fact that you enjoy watching porn and even so you have a partner, as long as your partner isn't troubled by it, I mean, you can have a discussion with her about this, but then, um, then that's not the, that's not an issue in and of itself. Uh, Another text, I've always had performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction. My wife and I have not had sex in over a year. I'm terrified of even trying sex. What should I do? So I'm wondering, why are you terrified with your wife? Hopefully, your wife is the one person you can feel safe with, that you are vulnerable with, and that you can have open um, discussion with. So the first step is talking about your fears with your partner. You know, sometimes the, those fears stay in our heads and they, we make them bigger than what they need to be. Because if you tell your wife, look, I'm, I'm really terrified. I, I, I'm, I feel anxious. I what? So I would ask like, what is causing the anxiety? Are you afraid of not lasting too long? Are you afraid of not getting hard enough? Are you afraid of disappointing your wife? Um, so what is it that you are afraid of? and be able to verbalize that with your wife. But right now, avoiding sex is only making the problem worse. Um, So avoidance does not help anxiety. It feeds anxiety. It only escalates when you do that. So uh, I would recommend that the two of you seek counseling. So go see somebody who specializes in, in sexuality and talk about this issue so that you can figure out what is it that you're scared of and how to slowly go back into an intimate relationship with no pressure. And I say a couple why I would want to see the couple is I need your wife to be on board with this so she understands what's going on in your head as well. Because if you go for help yourself, that's fine. We can work some of uh, of that anxiety, but your wife needs to hear it too. And to have that open communication with her will reduce that uh, performance anxiety a lot. Okay, uh, I think that would be helpful. If you need a referral or you'd want to come and see me, you can email me to laurie at drlaurie.com. How long should you wait to start dating again after a breakup after four years and being engaged? 
That's a good question. And I'm not, I don't have an answer for that really, because we are all different. We all grieve differently. We uh, all get over things differently. Some people need time to process. They need time to let go of old feelings. Um, I think you have to be careful of not rebounding because it may not you know, getting involved like seriously again quickly may not be the best, uh, the best idea. But you know, there's an old joke that says, if you want to get over somebody, get under somebody. For some people that works, uh, to, you know, go and experience, uh, uh, sex or some kind of relationship with somebody else will help you get over it. And for others, that doesn't work at all. It just makes them feel worse. So take your time, uh, the longer the relationship, obviously, the more difficult it is to to uh, well to to heal from from the heartbreak. Generally speaking, because you're talking about a serious relationship, a broken engagement, uh, all the hopes that you had for your future out the window, all these things you have to grieve. So I would say take the time necessary to um, to heal from that before jumping into a relationship. But I can't tell you how much time is necessary because we're all very different. Coming up, our kink panel, we're going to find out some events going on in the uh, kink community, plus answering any of your questions for our kinksters here. If you um, thinking about, um, you know, exploring this, uh, this world a little bit, you can ask your questions here. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. You know this music. That means our kink panel is in studio tonight. We have our regulars, Pierre and Catherine of BDSM Circle. And tonight, Danny Goodboo joins us. So happy to have you, Danny. Thank uh, he you is, for having me. Thank you for being here. He's the president of Montreal's Phoenix Leather and Rubber Club. He's a former Mr. Leather Montreal. He's involved in planning uh, Montreal's fusion contests. He's an experienced kinkster. Correction. Oh, correction. I was on the board of Fusion, but I'm not anymore. Oh, you're not anymore. You but, were involved. But okay. Fusion is a big part of the community. So we'll talk about that. Uh, he has a website called mtlkink.com, and any given day you can find him working at Armada Par, Par the Men's Room, which is a fetish uh, boutique. So uh, there's a lot of questions I have. <laughs> First of all, what is the difference between a fetish boutique and a sex shop? Uh, the permit. <laughs> the permit. It's a what kind of permit? <laughs> so, uh, there's a, there's a permit that uh, gives you a, a permission to sell sex toys. Oh, okay. And uh, I didn't know that. Yes, and uh, that's in Montreal. There's a bylaw that says you cannot have uh, you cannot have so many sex shops uh, within so much of a distance. Oh, it's just like I didn't know that either. So okay. uh, in the village, there's only two. There's Wega and there's Preap that are they have a license for a sex, sex shop. Sh- okay. sex shop. Uh, there are other stores like uh, Mr. Bear and Armada Pala Men's Room where I work. We are fetish stores, okay. and uh, basically, it's we have a license for uh, clothing, uh, maroquinerie, working leather, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But we don't have a license for 
a sex shop. So in our store, we are allowed to sell a few items that are pertaining to sexuality. Okay. But it's only a certain percentage of our mm-hmm. total space. Yet, when you talk about a fetish boutique, generally we're talking about things that are there to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To enhance. To enhance sexuality. Correct. Right? Okay. So in our store... <laughs> We make uh, our own leather. Mm -hmm. So we have a crew in our basement that... Oh, wow. You make your own stuff. We make our own leather. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have other stuff from uh, different suppliers. And uh, I would say that all of our clothing is a kink. So, example, we have the company called Barcode. Uh, Their fetish is sports gear. But with a little twist. Okay, what's the twist? (laughs) The twist is make it, it makes it sexier. You want to wear it. Uh, you have football uh, football shorts that okay. have uh, uh, the the, the bum, crotch the, opening, the, the, the... the, the pouch, uh, not the pouch, but the the ass open, right, right. Or you have a laced up uh, pouch on the front. Mm-hmm. It makes it sexy. A lot of people wear this either in their bedroom mm-hmm. to make them feel sexy, or they go to certain parties. Like there's a party on the. Uh, there's two parties coming up. There, one is on the 11th, which is a Pitbull underwear party. Pitbull. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Back up, back up. Pitbull underwear party. What does that mean? Well, Pitbull <laughs> is the name of the uh, the uh, the promoter. Okay. And uh, the underwear party is going to be, uh, that's the theme of the party. What? People go in their underwear? Yes. Okay. Any uh, kind of underwear? Any kind of underwear. You can wear a jock strap. Yes, the middle of the winter, huh? <laughs> yes, but that's why we have a good coat check. Okay, just wondering. <laughs> so uh, people come to the store, they get uh, their cutest little underwear, and then they go to the party and they wear their underwear. So it's fun to see 300 men wearing underwear. Long johns. And <laughs> long johns, jock straps, So this is underwear. for men only. This is a man, uh, uh, this is in the... It's for everybody. Okay. But I would say that 90... 8.5% of the people that are there are okay, men. men. Okay. Yes. All right. And the, and the next one is code. Code is K-O-D-E. Mm-hmm. That's on the 18th. Uh, this one is a fetish party. Okay. So the difference is that this one is more geared towards uh, your leather, mm-hmm. your rubber, uh, your uh, gear, uh, like BDSM gear also? BDSM or, mm-hmm. gear, harnesses uh, made of neoprene, uh, puppies, kitties. Uh, every kink every that you're kink thinking. that you can okay. possibly think of, you can go at code, and that's going to be a party that's going to be happening on the 18th. And that's open to everybody? That Any, is also open to kink. everybody. Okay. But again, 98.5% of the people that are there are, are gay men. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Can I? Is it? Is there more kink in the gay community than in the straight community? I, I, is that something, Catherine? Do you do you know it's anything? It's better organized ah, in the gay community. That's interesting. So it's better organized. Yeah, because you seem completely like you've all these things organized, yeah. things going on. Well, I, I, I'm an old, I'm an old one from the community. Yeah, so well, I know you're not I'll, that old. But. No, I am. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 53. Okay. So So you're not that old. (laughs) Okay. He's 
not a millennial, is what I'm, you're I'm trying to say. I'm a Centria Montreal 2011. Okay. And the day that I, well, I started a long time ago. I worked at the uh, L'Aigle Noir uh, in the early 90s mm-hmm. uh, till the late So one 90s. of the beginning, you were like on the cusp of like it becoming more mainstream, really. Actually, no? it was always, it's always existed. Okay. BDSM has always existed. That's true. We, we did not create it. That's true. We just mm-hmm. organize it better now. <laughs> and <laughs> in those way, days, yeah. mm-hmm. in those if we go back about 20 years, we had like the club that I started, mm-hmm. which is called the Phoenix Leather, uh, Leather and Rubber Club. Way back then, they were called motorcycle clubs. Yeah. Okay. So every motorcycle club uh, in Montreal, let's say, we had the Iron Cross. Uh, it was MC Iron Cross. The Iron Cross used to be... Uh, v- uh, People were afraid of the Iron Cross because it had the swastika <gasps> as their symbol. Okay. But the creator, he's very literate and he said, This has nothing to do with anti Semitism. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm not going to take it off. If you're afraid, that's your problem. Well, and, it's offensive, actually. But well, anyway. <laughs> He had a lot of arguments pertaining to that, mm-hmm. and they were around for many, many years. And even the Hells Angels actually at one point uh, had a conversation with them because, mm-hmm. you know, they looked meaner than mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And no, they just wanted to hang out in a bar and just... So uh, they, were, they weren't bikers? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. They were. Mot- but that was the excuse because uh, back then being gay was illegal. In right. a lot of right. uh, That's ways. That's true. Mm-hmm. So the way that you could hide was to organize a motorcycle club. Ah, they could all wear leather and look That was the history <laughs> of it. Okay. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of layers pertaining to how we are today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I acknowledge my forefathers that came before me that created all of this. And I'm just extending... Mm. what they had and trying to do my best in so the leather so the interest in leather I, so i guess it there's or that rubber. Hi, or rubber but the historic part of it is that it was a way to hide uh well it was you, organized the way that leather uh the, the the leather bdsm community started was right after the war right after the war uh men Gay men wanted to come together and practice uh, wearing uh, leather. And, well, they took things from the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, wear uh, discipline. Mm-hmm. Wearing your cap. When you take your cap off, you put it under your left uh, arm uh, near your heart. It's all things from the army. Mm-hmm. So these people were in the army and they started bringing these rules into their uh fetish mm-hmm. and so they, they fetishize that stuff exactly. okay mm-hmm. and that's where you had the hanky codes and the friends of dorothy and so we're going i mean yeah it's good history it's there going right back way 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 back right Today, so the gay community and and the fetish community kind of were in parallel in many in many ways in many ways mm-hmm. During the AIDS crisis, a lot of the people that passed away were the gay uh, leather people because they were 
targeted and pointed at because they were promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Promiscuous, yeah. Promiscuous, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was funny because they were the sexual liberation. They were going out and they were saying it's okay. And mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. people would point, point their fingers out. at them and saying, you guys are perverts and mm-hmm. you're not okay. Yet when the AIDS crisis started, well, you know, a lot of these people actually passed away. And uh, the ones that did stay, well, actually the, the leather women were actually the ones that were taking care of the leather men. men. We should talk about the leather women. Catherine, you're probably more familiar with the leather women, no? As a, eh, no, not a so much. Bit, not so much. It's so interesting because when you think about the BDSM and leather and uh, and the, all the other materials that have come after leather and, and all of that, how everybody practices it so differently, even though it's like the leather part can be part of the BDSM community or not. Like, you know, does everybody who wear, who wears leather or who has that as their fetish, let's say, I don't even know if it's really a fetish, but a preference, do they practice BDSM? No. Right. No, that's what I wanted to know. It's like, there is a difference between those two uh, communities. I love wearing leather. I love leather. I'm, I'm Mr. Leather. You're Mr. Leather. (laughs) But when I, uh, when I practice my BDSM, I do wear my leather. Okay. Uh, when I'm in my bedroom, I take everything off. I don't need to wear my leather. In your every day. When I'm in my bedroom and I'm when I have a partner because mm-hmm. I have multiple partners. Okay. Uh, and I play with different types of people. Mm-hmm. I play with a puppy. I play with a kitty. Mm-hmm. Which, hi puppy, hi kitty, they're both listening. Yeah. For <laughs> Some of our listeners are, are wondering, like, what is he talking about? You know, we should probably go back and, and uh, redefine, which we will do. We'll, we'll, we'll pick up some definitions, but we've got to go and uh, be with our, uh, check in with our newsroom. So Danny Godbu is with us. He's the president of Montreal's Phoenix Leather and Rubber Club. And Pierre and Catherine of BDSM Circle are here as well talking about uh, fetishes, where to go, parties to go to, the fetish community and the gay community, the fetish community and the straight community, the BDSM community, all tied together somehow. Uh, And if you have questions, would love to hear from you. Right now, let's check in with the CJD 800 Newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Our kink panel tonight, interesting. We're getting a, a nice historic perspective of kink and BDSM in Montreal. Joining us for the first time, Danny Godbu. He is the president of Montreal's Phoenix Leather and Rubber Club. He's an, a very experienced uh, kinkster. He's a former a Mr. Montreal Leather as well. Has a website called MTL Kink. Dot com for the uh, LGBTQ kink community. And on any given day, you can find him at a fetish boutique called Armada in uh, in the village. Pierre and Catherine are here also. They are our, our regulars of BDSM uh, Circle. Well, now I find it interesting as I'm looking around the room that here are three people who have been practicing kink for uh, a very long time. Like, <laughs> a very long time, right? 
20 plus years, a lifetime. And, but you know, you're, you're not millennials here. You, you have been in the, in this business, let's say, or this, or this practice for, that uh, was for decades before the internet. What? And things have certainly changed since the internet. When you're talking well, about like it. the if history. Well, that's it. If I want to look at the history of it, yeah, in well, Montreal especially. Well, finding a partner used to be very different than it is now. Now, all you have to do is go to a keyboard. Right. And and you can find any kink and anybody and, and anything. And this is why uh, a lot of groups and, and, and that formed. And people would have munches and you'd, you'd have meetings and... And things so you could find partners, basically. Right. And events. I mean, where else? And I, you brought up something interesting, and Danny can talk about this, but how, um, you know, to find events, like in the gay community, you had the magazines that were available, Fug and all of that, that had all of this information in it. They were so much more organized. It's it's been like this all the time. Uh, there was a magazine for the heterosexual heterosexual population. Yeah, I know. Tongue, twist, tongue twister, uh, but they were on the ground. And if you wanted to buy them, they were a extremely expensive. And when you're a young adult starting in life, often you you could not afford them or or find them. How do you or find, find them? them? Well, mm-hmm. finding them you could, but and once you would buy them, everything was done by mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanted to join a group. If, because it, they were all closed group, very closed group, very secret. You had to send like, a letter, I bet. Well, yes. yeah, and, and right. everybody was scared of being uh, outed because nowadays, you know, with the Fifty Shades of Yahoo and stuff like this, mm-hmm. it, it's more like, okay, he's BDSM, he's gay, he's this, is that, and everything goes well. But at the time, I mean, we, we talk in the past about, you know, beating women and stuff like this because mm-hmm. people would, this is the way they would see you. Right. And so it was really, really hard. And I remember looking for partner. It would take sometimes weeks and months because you would send your letter, expect a reply. Sometimes you will not get one. Sometimes you would get one and you would say, oh, this is not feeling good. And But now with the internet, I mean, you can almost do it this like within Instantly, hours. Instantly, within hours. You can okay, or, it's a little it easier up. for a woman. I just want to p- p- pipe up there. Right. Because you would just make, you know... Watch. Little spanking jokes or something like that, and watch the reaction, and 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 kind of flirt and and try and like well, do it, it find always, partners that way. It's right? It's always easier for women to find partners well, because yes, they're on they're on the receiving end of, of attention. If you're looking at heterosexual populations, and, unfortunately, I don't know much about the heterosexual. Uh, <laughs> uh, kink, That's okay. You don't uh, and, need to. and cruising and stuff, but. Uh, it, it, it's very similar with the gay community because I remember uh, a magazine called RG, mm-hmm. which is uh, a, a magazine that uh, was out there and there you had the... Um, like classifieds. Classifieds. Mm-hmm. Personal mm-hmm. So same thing. Uh, if And of course, in those days, uh, they had articles pertaining to the clubs because mm-hmm. the clubs the motorcycle clubs were popular they were very popular in montreal there was about 20 at, at a time wow because the and these were like for the gay community yes i, I always and find it interesting when we talk about motorcycle clubs you think biker gang but no you're well talking some of about them some had of them motorcycles were? okay and uh, some were real motorcycle clubs and they'd had runs and runs would mean that they would go from one club to another. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say uh, 
Chicago. Chicago has a Hellfire uh, club, and they're a very old leather club, and people would leave from here, register, by mail, mail, and pay pay their uh, dues and fees, Uh and then they would show up, either by motorcycle or by bus or plane or whatever and they would go and then they would have a run and the run uh, it could be about sex well Mm -hmm. usually it was a lot about sex Uh, (laughs) 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 and uh, so uh, people were organized Mm -hmm. uh, way back then it was just Uh, more it was just more difficult to get and it was a little bit more underground and you had to be part of the club in order to know about these runs right if you weren't part of it you wouldn't go yeah. like I, I i just because we're talking about mm-hmm. clubs and uh this year uh, in march we are going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the oldest club mm-hmm. a fetish club in Mon- uh in canada wow. uh, they're in toronto okay and they are called the toronto spearheads so huh. they will be celebrating their 50th anniversary in March. And I'm looking forward to going. It's going to be my birthday, my birthday present. present. <laughs> and uh, there's another uh, one in uh, a leather club. It's called the, um, the, uh, the Ottawa Knights. Mm-hmm. They're they are 40 some odd years old. Okay. Uh, so they, there's, a, there's a history. Right. And you think they're going to be a lot of old timers? At these clubs, that, well, these some, events? Of course. Yeah. I hope so. And right. I learned from these older guys. I'm playing with, right now, a lot of puppies. Okay. And oh, let's, let's, I said I was going to define. So for p- people who are just tuning in, because people might assume you're playing with little dogs, when you're talking, <laughs> you know, we're talking about pups in the king community, just to s- explain that for a minute. Okay. So, um, for the longest time in uh, BDSM, we had your sir, your boys, your slaves, your masters, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it always existed, but has been put out there more, I'd say, in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. where it's really become mainstream. It's pup play. Mm-hmm. And pup play is a human being who is uh, going into a puppy play mode. So he will pretend that he is a puppy. And I would say some, it's not a pretend, they really think they are puppies. Mm-hmm. And they have their personalities and they put on these uh, uh, hoods mm-hmm. that look like they look like a little puppy. Or some are kittens. Like mm-hmm. I play with a kitten. Uh, his name is Kitty, and I play with a puppy. His name is Angel. And um, they meet once a month, every uh, first Saturday of every month, and there's 100 people that, that show, show up, up so, in, uh, in a dungeon. Wow. And uh, 100 pups or kitties or whatever you exactly. call Exactly. Okay. And any animals. The, the, and handlers. Oh, and, ha- and, handlers. Oh, and they're handlers. Because that's what they're not, called. Not a slave. It's not a uh, master. Some can uh, be, but okay. handlers usually. They're called handlers. Okay. Like, I'm not a puppy. I'm not a kitty. I am. A I'm, 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 I'm a dirty uncle, <laughs> basically. And That might trigger some people not so good. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you know? <laughs> it, I, I'm, I'm the friendly, dirty uncle. But just to say that. The meeting of these puppies, when they meet, the majority are the younger generation. Okay. And I'm learning so much from them because 
they have so much uh, they want, they're eager, they're, they want to learn a lot mm-hmm. and I'm learning from them, but they're, Such they're coming, openness too, and they're right? coming to get information from me and from my peers from the past right? because we have some history right. and they want to know. So, so interesting. It, it is very interesting. And I love going there every month because I like to, uh, have fun and play with them and sometimes I don't play I just sit and have a chat with them and learn Mm -hmm. to and they teach me uh, some of the new tricks too so why is that new like why did we go from master slave to pup play like I I think we still have master slave right yeah that's true right I think it's just there's there, things are more open, so so there's more almost options to choose from where that might not have been considered. Do you see that in the heterosexual community as well? The pop play also or is um, that more uh, in the gay community? Uh, it it uh, it certainly is. I've I've had pups and kittens too. Mm-hmm. Um, as a dominant, as a dominant, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but um, it's it's more prevalent certainly. With, with gay males. I think that uh, being a pup or a kitty uh, uh, versus a boy or a slave uh, makes it not as official. Okay. And I'm putting the quotation marks mm-hmm. because uh, when you uh, belong to uh, a sir or a pup uh, 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 as a slave or as a boy then it's a bigger commitment and being okay. a puppy you can do what, what what do you do with a puppy that misbehaves <laughs> you try to correct it and you know yeah that's right you swat its nose exactly uh, this is our kink panel and uh, coming up I, I want to talk about how people can connect with other people and why it's so important to socialize with like-minded people Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. There, it's very important for people who are in the King community to be able to find like-minded people. And our city seems to offer so many different opportunities for people to meet each other. Whereas at one point, even when I started way back in the business 30 years ago, we didn't see any of this. Like this was not very common at all. It was secret. All. It was secret. Yeah. It was mentioning if you wanted to join one of these secret club, you needed to know somebody who was in it so they could like introduce you to the and you would have to be accepted. Right. I mean, at the there time... There was an initiation. An initiation, yeah. Right. At the time when I was younger, a young adult, I had a lot of difficulties to be accepted in some of the club because I was looking for a female partner and there was not that many. Mm-hmm. So the people who had partner they didn't want to but also it was difficult to be out like you said that it was difficult to be um to be completely open with that because there was always a level because it was so secret there was a level of shame around it uh people were troubled by their fetish like i when 30 years ago and i started as in in the sexuality field i would see a lot of people with fetishes who were very troubled because they thought they they didn't know anybody else like they felt you, alone in the world they you, felt like what's you, wrong you, with me and you thought you were crazy i said i like I to know. do this to women i must be a psycho right and then you meet other people and you start to think well 
maybe there's more psycho than I thought or and, <laughs> and this is something then that, you realize it's not psycho it's well, a fetish but remember at the time too the uh, the people that were professional like you would consider us psycho well at no, the time there was at well the in BDSM in, in terms of BDSM no I, I don't think that ever I, I talked to other up, sexologists but, and trust mm-hmm. me some of them have I'm not all like you, Dr. Lowry, okay? Because <laughs> well, we've, we've talked but to we, a few. <laughs> but we have, but in the field of sex, sexuality, it, you're right, the, the def, it has changed because at one time homosexuality was considered yep. uh, was a, a mental illness, but it was also considered a mental illness as a BDSM. They took that out of the Diagnostic yep. and Statistical Manual. They took out homosexuality a long, long, long time ago. So slowly but surely, they're taking out many of these fetishes unless somebody is distressed by it. If you're distressed by it, it is a problem for you, then then it becomes a dysfunction or, or a disorder of some kind. But Today, I find that there's a lot of the... Uh, uh, a lot more young people that are getting into the fetish scene, into the BDSM scene, because like puppy play or kitty play, because they can put on a hood and nobody can know who they are Mm -hmm. unless they take the mask off. Mm. Somebody texted in and and I want you to respond to this because I'm sure this text reflects what a lot of people think. Uh, Anyone who seriously thinks they are an animal needs to get professional help. One thing to (laughs) pretend, another to live the role. But... We've spoken on this show to I, people I who are in that community. I think they're living the role while they're in the role. Right. They don't live okay? it Okay, so it's, it's not like they're... 24 They're still peeing on, on the paper in the corner when they go home. Right. Uh, okay, I, I, I think most people are functional. It's just that they, when they're in the role, they get fully immersed. So I, what, I think... What, what do we do when we're kids? You when play. we're a kid, mm-hmm. we're going to play. And how do we uh, communicate and play and learn? We're going to say, well, what does the dog do? The dog goes woof, woof. Mm -hmm. And what do we usually do when we're kids? We get on all fours and we start to bark. Mm. And we imitate. We imitate, yes. So as we get older, nothing has really changed. We like to play. We just older. That's the only difference. We're just older. We love to play just as much as when we were kids. And what's the difference of being on all our, all fours when you're 20, 30, 40, or 50 years mm-hmm. old and pretending that you're in your you're role-playing? Right. What's, it's role-playing. I think you're, you're role-playing as a puppy or a kitty right. or whatever you want it. I, I know uh, in, in the scenes that I play uh, that we go uh, once a month, there's also a pony. Mm-hmm. And so, and all the furries, like there's the f- a whole there's community all, of furries, right? Such it's a, a whole beautiful other thing. array of furries. Oh, they're just so nice so and again, cuddly. So again, a furry for, for people who don't know, maybe you want to describe what a furry is. Well, a furry is somebody who's gonna wear a fur suit um, that well, looks like like a, Yuppie. Like Yuppie, <laughs> uh, they can be a bear, or a dog, him. or <laughs> right. And, but it's people I'd who like, like to, to dress pipe up. in on furries because. Mm-hmm. Not all furries, it's their sexuality. No. Right. Um, a lot of people who are furries, they like to take on the role. They may like to cuddle or, or to be it, but it's not uh, a sexual thing for them. Now, mm-hmm. some it certainly is, but not for everybody. But Just in case you happen to know somebody who, oh, so-and-so's brother's a furry or whatever, it, it may not be what you think. But it's the same thing with the puppy play and the kitty play. Exactly. Not all are sexual. Some, it's just to... Just to play. 
we all have a hard job, right? When you Mm -hmm. go home, you want to put on your mask and you just want to forget everything that's out there. And you just want to put your puppy mask and you just want to cuddle with somebody who's going to pet you on the head and say, good boy, good boy. That's it. Some people will sexualize it. Some people don't. Right. Cosplay and is a big, uh, which well, is costume be- play, same right? Thing. The young adult r- right now likes cosplay because of the same reason. But it's huge all the at f- Comic Con and stuff yeah, like that. Well, cosplay yeah. and sometimes that's sexual. And sometimes, some sometimes people, it's and not. sometimes it's not at all. But most fetishes are like this. I mean, we have met men that they want to be slave. But it's not sexual. They want to to clean the house. They want to serve you. Yeah. But they don't want... <laughs> they don't want sex. They don't want sex. They don't want the mistress to flog them or mm-hmm. use their strap-on or anything so like this. So it gets even more confusing when we st- when we talk about kink, when it's there's kink and then there's sexual kink. And like it's really hard to tease Everybody's out what's what. Everybody's their own way. It's a great, big, beautiful world. Yep. It's a beautiful world. I, I I love that everybody has a difference. And there's so many ways to meet up. So let's talk about that for a minute. So if people want to socialize, let's say somebody's listening and they want to start exploring this world or they've thought about it. They Maybe they've met a few people online, um, but they're wondering, like, what's in Montreal? What are things we can do? How do we connect with other the, other kinksters. The internet is usually the best place to find this. If you put BDSM Montreal or and or you had Dungeon or Play Party or mm-hmm. stuff like this, you're going to see some listing. Okay. You have to understand though, most dungeons are considered illegal because there will Why? be no insurance that will insure you if you start to have SNM Play, for instance. Okay. Because there's too much risk. So that's one of the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of club that will open as a club. They would have DJs, music, and all of that. And and we see this more. It was more in the past, but they would they would have like a back room or a mm-hmm. a place like a hidden, I don't like know the private club. Well, like a, a private part, if you want. Like the swingers clubs have yep. a private part yes. and a public part. Kind well, of thing. That, that that goes along the ways t- pertaining to I, I find uh, more BDSM uh, sexualization. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, the Phoenix Club. We meet up every third Saturday, uh, no, third Sunday of every month mm-hmm. at the L'Aigle Noir, and it's a gathering. It's a social gathering. That's, That's it. it. There's no sex. It's uh, people who like to dress up in uh, leather or rubber, or if they're puppies or kitties, we don't care as long mm-hmm. as you like either leather or rubber, and we meet there and we have a beer, and we chat. That's it. And what happens? We're actually talking to each other. We're not behind a screen. Mm-hmm. We're not texting. Right. We're not uh, behind a computer. We're actually just having a conversation. And then there's meeting up. Right. People create connections, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some people go home together, and some don't. <laughs> and this is where uh, Pierre and Catherine, you—it's uh, been a while, I think, since you've had a munch, which are gatherings, mm-hmm. uh, like brunch lunches. And exactly, it's this the same kind of thing. Though you you have sloshes, which are, are basically like that, where you go somewhere and it's normally alcohol, um, but where you, people are are meeting and talking and and mm-hmm. that, or you have a munch, which is basically everybody's there for supper. Okay. And everybody's meeting and, and 
like-minded dressed up, people. Not, not necessarily dressed up. No, it's that's just a that would um, in in if it's a, if it's a munch in a public restaurant, everybody's in like vanilla clothes, but everybody's okay. kinky and you talk Again, to each other. And there's a, there's a difference within the, the, the gay, gay community. community. There's actually going to be on. Uh, we just had one, uh, and everybody was at the restaurant all dressed up in huh. rubber. Yeah, but I'm sure that was in the gay community. Yes, in the whereas um, usually in in uh, heterosexual munches it is and it's very kind of underground even if it's in a public restaurant right because you've got people that don't want to be outed because unfortunately um, kinky heterosexuals it's still a joke it's still one of these things to be thing it's not accepted it's it's more accepted than it used to be but we don't have the you're still let's say the legitimacy mm-hmm. that the LGBT and I don't has. know all the initials. No offense to anybody. Community is, has fought and won for. Right. Um, it could so, be point. for some professional. It could be a problem for them if they're they're outed or something like mm-hmm. this. But so, you can still lose your job depending lose your on your job thing. Or, if you're, or lose that promotion because you're weird or you know. It's, you know. And that's that why. It, you know. They're, they're, this is a very good conversation. This can go in can, so many ways. And you will be back, Danny. And, you, you will be back. And also for <laughs> meetings, like I said uh, at the beginning of the show, there was uh, we meet up, there's dances, there's parties, okay. and uh, it's not necessarily a sexual thing, but when it's you're, a gathering ha- you're, you're having an underwear party, it's a fetish. You know, it's the actually, <laughs> it's the biggest fetish in the world right. is underwear. Okay, if you want to uh, find out more about uh, Danny Goodboo, go to mtlkink.com. That's a good place to find you. Uh, or go to the Armada Par the Men's Room Fetish Boutique in the village as well. Pierre and Catherine can be found at bdsmcircle.com. Thank you guys for being here. So enlightening tonight. Learned a lot. Thank you. Uh, thank you to our technical uh, producer tonight, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you will find all the podcasts of past shows as well, which you can download anytime and listen at your leisure. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Come on, baby, just tap your feet.